Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. You're welcome, David. It's nice to have you on the show. Thank you for honoring the invite. It means a whole lot. So, um, to begin with, David, can you introduce yourself to us, me, and sure. the host? All right. Sure. My name is Reverend Dr. David Chotka. I'm a pastor in the Christian Missionary Alliance of Canada, and I have been the director of the prayer equipping movement in the in the denomination for about 30 years. Uh, the, it's called the Alliance Pray Team. Currently, I'm in a ministry called Spirit Equip. I have a doctorate. It's, actually, it's an American doctorate. I know you're in the U.S. of A. <laughs> I got my doctorate at Gordon Conwell Seminary in the spiritual uh, discernment and hearing the voice of Jesus. And I have written five books, so I'm a delight. It's a del- one just got released this week, uh, just before Christmas, just for your, your holiday season on November the 21st. The book is called Healing Prayer, and here it is. Here, this this is the book, Healing Prayer, and it's called God's Idea for Restoring Body, Mind, and Spirit. And I wrote the book for lots of reasons. Uh, the big one was that I wanted to reduce to writing some of the amazing things that God had done. I was in conversation with my great friend Maxie Dunham, who's the co-author of that resource. We started sharing stories and we started to write them down. And then a publisher asked us if we could do it. So in the book, we have training techniques. We have uh, we have um, we have a, what it feels like when you're in the middle of a prayer for healing. How to know when you're supposed to proceed. How you know when you're not supposed to. Uh, warning signs when something is not as it should be. How do you know when the anointing of the Spirit is on you and it's not just your wistful yearning? And, and then tried and true methods of teaching people and churches how to engage in prayer for healing. So that's the reason for this conversation today. <laughs> You're welcome once again, David. Thank you so very much. Okay, so, you know, your um, story and the topic is so essential in today's world because I can tell you with all confidence that most of the people listening to us are definitely passing through one sickness or another, experiencing one sort of disease or sickness or another. You know, sickness is so rampant in the world, it's so common. And yes. not, many, not many people knows and believe that Jesus can get rid of sicknesses if they are um, if they've got the requirement which is faith okay so now I want you to talk to me about the story you, you've got to link them all all of the beautiful stuff everything that has occurred because I'm so eager to learn about it okay how did it well, let me tell you how I start yet let okay. me tell you how I started prayer okay, for healing. Tell me, tell me so how, you, I, I, how you started. Sure, I got saved when I was 16, and uh, I didn't I didn't belong to a Bible-believing church. I had friends in a parachurch ministry tell me about faith in the Lord, and eventually I said yes to Christ. <laughs> um, 
that led to me not being able to take my nose out of the Bible. I started to read the scripture backwards and forwards. I went to three different Bible studies in a week and two different churches on a Sunday because I just wanted to, to learn and grow because I didn't know anything about the gospel. And here's what I discovered very quickly. Uh, I discovered that Jesus would forgive our sins. And I kept meeting people who were forgiven or were forgiving others, etc., etc. And I could see what could not be seen. I could see that the forgiveness of Jesus was profound and powerful because of its effect on people. Now that put me in a crisis of faith because when I was reading the New Testament, I kept reading about Jesus healing people, but I didn't know anybody who'd been healed that way. Didn't know a soul. And so um, I, I believed it because the Bible said it, but I didn't know anybody who prayed for others to be healed. I had not met anybody who'd been healed by pray, the prayer of faith. And I most certainly didn't know how to do it. <laughs> then I got called to the ministry and that's a long story. But I went to a seminary that was what, what the American church would probably call a progressive seminary. It, it held that the miracles really didn't happen, that the early church wrote them back, that the sayings of Jesus were not original to Jesus and so on and so forth. How I wound up in that seminary is a crazy story, but suffice it to say, uh, whenever somebody in a class would say, oh, by the way, that never happened. Oh, Jesus didn't walk on water. Oh, that sick person didn't get healed. I would stand up in the class and I would defend the historicity and the integrity of the scripture. I would say, oh, no, 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 no. Those, those accounts are historically accurate and this is what Jesus did. And then in the class, I had a classmate who was a magnificent storyteller jokester. He had been a radio pro a broadcaster and he made his money by humor. And if, if I ever said anything that had to do with defending the historicity of the Bible, yeah. he would throw a joke in the middle of the room about <laughs> how ridiculous or absurd my view was. Everybody in the room would laugh. And we'd laugh so hard it would hurt. The trouble was it did hurt and it hurt me because I was the object of the humor. Well, this went on for many months. Just, you know, every time, every single time I'd say something about the faithfulness of God or the, the cross or, the, you know, the resurrection or the power of Jesus to heal or something like that. This laugh would happen and I would be the object of the joke. Anyway, they, she had, he had a nice wife and the nice wife was very sweet. And when he was with the nice wife, none of that would happen. We had a mutual friend who was in the class and in the book I called her Susie. Anyway, she was one of these do unto others as you would have them do unto you kind Christian girls, sweet as sweet could be. Anyway, one day I'm walking to my Greek class and I had to walk across the plaza to go across the street. And this girl, Susie, me, and she runs up to me and she said, uh, David, how you doing? Oh, Susie, I'm fine. How about you? She said, well, I'm good. But listen, you know, our friend, the jokester. I said, oh, yes. And she said, he's in the hospital. Oh, my Elisha, I have to tell you something. I didn't even feel bad. <laughs> then I had to repent of my bad attitude. And I had to say, oh, I'm sorry. What's wrong? And she said, he's got phlebitis. That's where you have a clot form on your arm. And if the clot breaks free and it moves through your bloodstream and hits either your lung or your brain, 95 times out of 100, you die. Very, very, very serious medical issue. And so I said, well, that's too bad. Is he in the hospital? And she said, yeah, he's over there. And she pointed at a hospital about a half a mile down the road. I could see it at the end of the highway. And uh, I was on my way to my class and I said, oh, okay, well, I'm glad he's getting medical care. And then she said, he asked me to ask you something. Really? I said, what's that? And she said, he wants you to go and pray for him. 
Ooh. I said, what? <laughs> what? And then I looked at her and said, I'm not going. And she yeah. said, why don't you go? I said, don't you realize, every, you've been in the class when he's done it for three months, four months. Yeah. Every time I've said Jesus heals, every time I've said that he rose from the dead, every yeah. time I've said these things are historical things, he's made fun of my faith and I've been the laughing stock. And she said, you know, he has been cruel. I said, you know, you're completely right. And I, I think he just wants to make fun of me again. I think he wants to mock me. He's getting very fine medical care. I'm not going. And away I went to my Greek class. Well, <laughs> the next day I see this girl in the coffee lounge and she walks over to me and she says, uh, David, I said, yes, how you doing? She said, fine. I went and spoke to our friend and I said, oh, and she said, yes, he's terribly sorry he hurt you. He's terribly sorry. And he wants you to come and pray. Now, it's not in the book that I did this three times. I have two in the book, but it actually happened three times. I said, I'm not going. I think he wants to mock me. And she said, well, he's he, he's sorry. He's really sorry. I said, I don't know if I believe that. In a way, I went to my class. Well, the next day I was crossing the same plaza to go to my great class. And this girl sees me a third time. She races over and she asked me if I've gone to see the guy. And I said, no, I'm not going. And at that moment, this sweet, kind, gentle, other-centered Christian girl gets really mad. And I'd never seen her get mad before in my life. Mm. She actually stomped her foot on the outdoor sidewalk. She got fire in her eyes. And then she quoted my middle name like she was a mother telling off her kid. Anyway, she said, David Archotka. Aren't you going around this school telling everybody in the school that they need to believe the Bible because it's true and that God should be obeyed? I said, absolutely right. And she said, well, what about this scripture? I was sick and you visited me. And suddenly, oh, Elisha, suddenly, it was like this fell blow landed in the center of my heart. <laughs> I found myself saying, oh, no. I'm going to have to go and see him. Sure, I don't sure. want to. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, you know, I, had fi I had finished my class and it was about oh, six city blocks down the road to this hospital. So I went to the hospital and I got into the room and it looked serious. He was wired with all these wires and medical drips and, you know, nurses coming in and out. And he had a pile of books on his stand next to his bed where he was trying to keep up with his homework. But he was pale and he looked terribly frightened. So I, here's what I said. This, this is the part that's crazy. Now remember, nobody trained me. I'd never seen it done. I'd never met anybody healed. And I thought he was going to mock me. All right. So I'm scared. I'm young. I'm scared. I've never seen this done. <laughs> so I'm in the room and I say to him, uh, nice weather we're having. And he said, yes. I said, how's your coursework going? <laughs> the reason I did that was because the Matthew passage says, I was sick and you visited me. It didn't say I was sick and you prayed for me and I was looking for an exit clog not to do that. Anyway, I said, well, I've had a visit with you. I hope you heal, you heal up in a hurry. And I was about to leave. And this man looked at me and he said, I'll never forget the way he said it. He was obviously straining at every word. He said, aren't you, aren't you, aren't you gonna pray? And I looked at him and I said, before I do, I have to ask you just one question. Why is it that every single time I have ever said anything about the Bible being true, 
you have turned that into a joke and made me the object of derisive laughter. Why? How? Why have you done that? And he started to cry like a baby. He's 27 years old, and he's weeping to be abandoned. He said, "I am so sorry I did that to you, but you're the only one I know who believes that every word of the Scripture is true, and I have phlebitis, and I could die. Won't you please pray that Jesus heal me?" And he cried like a baby. And I'm, and I, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm sitting at the edge of his bed. Actually, in there with a stern look on my face, trying to navigate why he even bothered, and my heart just melted. And I, and I actually wanted to pray for him, but I, you know, here's the problem: I didn't know, I had no clue. <laughs> I had never done this before. What do you, you know? Yeah, so yeah, still yeah. scared, but I was compelled because of this man's emotion. I, I went around to his side. I said, "Where is the phlebitis?" He said, "There's a clot just above my left elbow." I said, "May I?" And I remember it in the Bible. Jesus put his hands on people to pray for yeah, them. Yeah. And I, well, okay, I, I can do that. So I, I said, "Can I put my hand on your elbow?" And he said, "Yes." And I put my other hand on head, and I started to pray. Now you got to know something. Yeah, I had not a clue what I was doing. <laughs> nobody, yeah. nobody had taught me. All of my profs said this ended with the first century or didn't exist or whatever. And I found myself in that prayer time, and then here's what happened.、Yeah. I said some honest words about God making him well, and I don't remember the phrases I used.、Mm-hmm. I suspect I tripped over my lip and said things I shouldn't have said. Whatever, but I was praying my honest prayer.、Yeah. And in the middle of that, suddenly it was like the whole room filled with fire and compassion.、Mm-hmm. It's like we were inhaling, inhaling God's presence. Amazing. And fire filled my spirit, and and I, and focus. I, I found myself utterly unable to do anything except focus on him. And suddenly, inside of my heart, came the conviction that this man must be made well, because God's glory was at stake. And that compassion, that gift of faith, that conviction, and that fire burned inside of me. It filled the room, and then it went down my arm and into his arm. And then he looked at me and he said. Presence, fiery, burning, presence. What is that? I said, that's the presence of Jesus' spirit. He's healing your body. And then, Elisha, I ran out of the room. Never in my life ever felt that. Well, no, the rest of the story is still—it's still—it's still hard. So I never felt it. I was scared by that. Also, I didn't know if it succeeded or failed. And also, I, I thought he was going to make fun of me. I had these three things, and so I raced out of the room. And as I was leaving, a nurse was walking in. So the next day, in、yeah. the coffee lounge of the school,、okay. there he is. I said,、Me? "You're here." He said, "Yes, yes,、oh. I am." Now it was an old 19th century building with stone columns in the hallway. Remember those old buildings? The、okay. stone would stick out at hard floors, and, and you'd walk down the hall and look at the nice decorations on the on the panels and open. So he he looked around and he pulled me into the corner of one of those columns. <laughs> then he、yeah. looked in every direction. Yeah. And then he said,、okay. he said that prayer、mm-hmm. changed my life.、Oh. I said thank you, and then I ran away again. <laughs> Now here's what happened. Yeah. About about two days later, we were in a class together. Okay. And. I said something to defend the scripture,、okay. and he stood up, and the whole class started to giggle.、Okay. And they thought there was going to be another joke, 
and he attacked the view that said the scripture wasn't true. Wow. Not me. And everybody in the room laughed. And lack of faith, not faith. And this went on for months. In fact, I had other students from other classes that I was not in with him tell me later on that he would start defending the faith from that point forward. And so here's what in that denomination in those days, yeah. uh, you would do eight months of school. You'd have four months in a field in some church somewhere. And then you'd come back and you'd earn a little money by doing your pastoral work. And then you'd come back. And I had my four months just before I was about to leave. He, this, this is not in the book. This is this this part's just for your listeners. So he had a he, he crumpled up a piece of paper in his hand and he put it in my hand and he said, "That's my phone number. If you're in trouble, you call me." <laughs> okay, so we went to my summer field. I had a beautiful summer. Had a delightful chance cutting my teeth on what it was to be a pastor. I was learning that. Came back to school, and he raced over to me as soon as he saw me. He said, "You didn't call me." I said, "Well, I didn't have any trouble." And he said, "If you have trouble, you call me." And he put the phone number back in his in my hands again. Anyway, there was that. Oh, oh, oh no! Months later, two months later, we're at some sort of a party for the students. You know, we're all having a social time and talking to each other and laughing together. And the two girls who were so sweet and kind were standing next to him. And I walked over to say hello, and we started to chit chat about something or other. And the two girls poked this guy and said, "Tell him! Tell him!" Tell him what happened. <laughs> he said, "I don't want to tell him." So, as it turned out, um, he uh, finally the girl said, "You need to tell him." And I said, "What do you need to tell me?" And he looked in all directions. Well, the night where he had been healed, he got released from the hospital. He went home. Of course, his his wife was in awe, and his friends were in awe. Everybody couldn't believe it.、Uh, what happened was they ran some medic. So as soon as I left, that nurse came in. And he actually said to the nurse, "Oh, by the way,、uh, <laughs> by the way,、um, Jesus healed me." And his wife said, "What are you talking about?" And and so we had this little chat about Jesus. And then she said, "Isn't that amazing? It, I, I, it's in the Bible. I've just never met anybody." And her same thing with her. She had never met anybody. He didn't know anybody who'd been healed. And here he was, the recipient of prayer for healing, and he became well. So they went to sleep that night. And he had a dream. Okay. And in the dream,、yeah. the Lord spoke to him,、Ooh. and the Lord said, "My servant David defends the integrity of my word. Whenever he defends my word, you must defend him." <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's how it all started.、Ooh. That's how it all started. This is so. And so I began. Okay. Well, yeah. And actually, 30 years later. So I, I was、uh, actually in 2015 was when I got the note. I was trying to figure out if I was supposed to leave one church and go to another.、Okay. And I, I somehow or other, I tripped over his name and I, I contacted him. And he's in the old denomination that I used to be in. I'm no longer in that one. Regardless of that, I contacted him. I said, "How you doing?" And he said, "Well, I'm good." Remember, 30 years ago, I said, "I sure do." <laughs> and he, he he wrote me a note and he said that the medical team. Didn't want to believe him and got mad at him when he said that Jesus healed him. Really? And so they said we have to run a battery of tests. And he said, "Well, run the tests then."、Thank、and、you. they did, and there was no scar tissue. There was no trace of phlebitis in his body. He was completely healed,、oh. and that's when he went home. Oh, oh, oh! Amazing. 
this is such a beautiful story. Oh my goodness. Well, that's the first that's the first story in this healing prayer book. Okay. Because it's how I got started. It's how I got started in prayer for yeah. healing. Because honestly, to be straight with you, Elijah, yeah. nobody taught me this. Wow. Uh, so eventually, I ran across a couple of other books that were on the market. There was actually a Roman Catholic book written by a guy named Francis McNutt. Okay. I read that book, and when he quoted the scripture and talked about Jesus' practices with prayer for healing, I began to learn. But again, there weren't many uh, examples of this. And, um, and I, I kept tripping into this. I would keep meeting people who wanted me to pray with them. And sometimes I would pray and there would be a, a small improvement. Sometimes I would pray. And if there's unbelief in the person who's on the receiving end, faith, uh, unbelief hinders, hinders the healing process. Now it isn't always true. Sometimes God heals or curmudgeon. <laughs> sometimes God heals the person doesn't particularly want it. And sometimes godly righteous people don't receive a gift of healing in, in holy mystery. And there's stories to, to all that effect in my book, Healing Prayer, God's Idea for Restoring Body, Mind, and Spirit. But um, the, the story continues up to and including recent events. I, would, I just interviewed a radio personality, a lady who runs a, a Christian broadcast network in, in the Toronto area, just north of Toronto, a city called Barrie. And she had been in one of my churches when I was serving in the metro Toronto area. And she became a radio broadcast host. She's, she's on the morning show with... Uh, with a radio broadcast in Ontario. And I didn't know this. Uh, she got healed uh, while I was on a Zoom call with her. <laughs> wow, amazing. So it was just, it, so as I was teaching the basics of this course, I was trying to figure out if I should write this book. And I was teaching some of the principles that are found in this book. And when it was all said and done, uh, she was lying down, um, and I would teach courses on Zoom. She was lying down and I thought, Shirley, are you still there? Are you sure it's still there? And she said, well, yes, I am. And then she, there were seven or eight of us on this class. And she looked at, uh, she, she tried to sit up and she said, I have been bedridden for three months. You were my pastor before. I wanted to learn from you. So I'm on Zoom with you, but I'm in a terrible way. I can hardly move my legs. I have a compressed disc. I have a bulging disc on the back and I have extreme sciatica in my legs. I've not been able to move. And um, so I said, oh, well, do you want us to pray for you? And she said, yes, please. Uh, but she, <laughs> so we started to pray. And as we did, there was another lady on the call named Wendy. And Wendy said, you know what? We're supposed to pray for this person's healing. Jesus wants her well. And suddenly that same thing that I described to you, this yeah. increase of fire, this increase of compassion, the singular focus on the person, and an awareness of a tangible anointing of power landed on us. I mean, the whole six of us in class. Oh. And all of us felt the gift of faith together. And I found myself saying these words to Shirley. I said, in the name of Jesus, stand up, bend down and touch your toes. And she jumped out of her bed. She touched her toes. Something in her back went snap. And then she started to dance around the room. Now, in the interview that I just did with her, and we're talking about a week ago, she said that it used to take her 15 minutes to go from her bed to the bathroom if she had to relieve herself. And another 15 minutes to get back, and then another half an hour to find a position to get herself comfortable. And she was in a, she couldn't work, and she had no money because she couldn't work. 
it was just in a bad situation. But she did own this, you know, she she had access to a computer that she already owned, and she couldn't get the church, so she was on my call. That's why she went. Anyway, Jesus completely healed her. And what I didn't know until a week ago was that when we said, "Shall we pray for your healing?" She felt a rise of presence and peace inside her deepest soul. It got stronger and stronger, and she received a gift of faith to believe that Jesus wanted her well. Now, all of this goes into the mix when you're doing prayer for healing. <laughs> the phrase I use is "God initiates, and we respond." God initiates, we respond, and the signal that God wants you to pray for another. Is the increase of three identity markers: righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans 14. He said, "The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit." And so, as those grow, as those rise inside of you, when you are thinking about doing prayer for healing, and a focus comes into your brain that that person must become well. You receive what you need to be able to do this. Now, the Bible describes this actually. If if you go to Luke five seventeen, it describes how Jesus healed a paralyzed man, and it says that there was a whole bunch of people there, and that、um, that they were all gathered to hear him and to learn from him and to be taught by him, etc., etc. And when you go to the end of that verse, it has this very very interesting phrase. It says this. The power of the Lord was present for Jesus to perform healing. Now that's a pregnant phrase, okay? Now, if you go back to the beginning of Luke, Luke admits how his gospel was written. He says that he had, he wasn't an original eyewitness, so he talked to eyewitnesses. He read historical accounts. And then he compiled them together into a narrative history, so that he could faithfully teach about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a companion of Paul, but he wasn't with the earthly Jesus. So, so here's what happened with that narrative. He talked to someone who was in the room when that happened. Happened, yeah. And someone in the room saw or sensed or felt or tasted or touched or something. This anointing over top of Jesus watched it land on him. And then he did the miraculous act of power. Anyway, the point that I'm making through this is that to to engage in prayer for healing, number one, you got to have a prayer life. Prayer number life. two, you need to learn the signals that God sends, so that you can be aware of, of the fact that God Himself is behind this. And number three, you need to cooperate with the presence when it's on you. You can't bluff a miracle, but you can pray into one. And、uh, that's what I saw over and over and over again all through my ministry. Amazing, beautiful, beautiful, Doctor. You know, you you mentioned a very important thing, and I'm so so glad that you're such a kind of person that in your explanations they are well defined, well explained, and so easy to understand. And from the story that you shared. I tell you, I am blessed, and I so much believe,、Please. yeah, that the listeners are going to be blessed also because this is so 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 amazing how God healed your classmate and 
the the presence he felt that is undeniable that's so amazing yep. i dare you too amazing so now i've got a question for you are you ready to round up with yeah okay okay so can you talk to us about your ministry spirit equip ministry am i correct yes okay. well okay here's here's how it was born um I was pastor of I've been a pastor of a local church all my ministry and every church I served grew except the last one. I came into a church that had been a church split and it grew initially it plateaued it declined and I had a long talk with my district superintendent if you want to use a phrase that people would understand my bishop. And uh, he said, "David, you know what? I wonder if you're supposed to become somebody who writes resources, develops tools and equipping guides." and teaches people how to do disciplines in the spirit. And he said if I can find a way to get you paid, <laughs> would you would you consider that? And I didn't of course, you know, I love being a pastor. I've been a pastor all my days. I pastored since 1983 right on through until 2015, 2016, oh, actually till 2020. And I really didn't want I wanted to end up being a pastor. That was my my hope and my desire. And so but but I I'd written this book, this a different book. Here, I'll show this one to you. The first book I ever wrote was a book called Power Praying, and I wrote that while I was pastoring between two church I was in two churches. I I started to write this when I was serving in the Metro Toronto area in a church called Bramley Alliance. I got about half done. And then I wound up going to Western Canada and I worked in a church there and I wanted my elders to learn better how to pray. And so I said, "Listen, can we tell can we do it like an 8 week run in a row where I give you resources to study and learn?" and then you and I will pray together at the end of this we'll we'll do this prayer thing. And they agreed to that. And so I wound up finishing the book. It was three and a half chapters done when I got there. It's eight chapters long. And they were the ones who test ran the book. And then I published the book and it became a training guide for the churches of North Uganda. My congregation was asked to go and help uh, to to reboot um You, you, I, I don't know if what you actually you sound very Ugandan. I don't know if you are. Is that your background? No, no. I'm a Nigerian. I'm Nigerian. Yeah. That whenever I would say hello, they would grab my hand and they'd say you are most welcome. You are most welcome. You are most welcome. And so that that was the, the beautiful, gentle, kind people. But I went to the north part of Uganda. And while I was there, there were 750 to 1000 pastors who had spent all their time in a war zone. and Joseph Kony had lopped off their arms or their noses or cut out their tongues and they had nothing and they'd had nothing by which education or help for 20 years so uh, I took a team in there and we would train pastors and we would build infrastructure and we did that for 3 years and I gave them that book that was my reason for writing that it was a training manual for those Ugandan pastors but it was work to get it done and when it finally did get done it was herculean to do it and i was unable to write much more except small little articles and things, because pastoring just takes your time it but um the effect of the book was profound and it was mailed out to all the international workers who belonged to my branch of the christian missionary alliance there was um, about eight the two 300 or 400 in, international workers across the planet all of them got a copy of it the pastors in two sets of district got a copy of it all of them said isn't this amazing isn't this incredible thanks for teaching this Can you teach us more? <laughs> and I of course you know if you're in a local church and somebody's had a car accident and you need to go be with a family you do. 
or if you get a funeral on a Tuesday afternoon when you've got your writing project in front of you, you do the, you do the funeral. You still have to prepare for Sunday. You and oh by the way, there's a board meeting on Monday nights or Wednesday nights, and there's the prayer meeting to go to on Wednesday. And don't forget to get everything ready for, and then you've got multi-staff meeting. Your time is completely absorbed in overseeing what is required in a local church because that's what the job is. And my bishop knew that, and he looked at me and he said, "You're supposed to be a writer and a traveler." So he found a way for me to be paid, and in 2020, I started. Now here's the thing: COVID hit in 2020, and I was supposed to go do these conferences. <laughs> All the, the border was closed. I mean, not just your border; the borders across the earth. And in Canada, we weren't allowed to have more than 10 people in a building. So you're not going to do any. So here's what happened out of that: I started to write. And as a result of the writing, I wrote a book on hearing the voice of Jesus. And、uh, here it is. Here, it's called "Hey, Are You There? It's Me, God: How to Listen, Test, and Know When God Speaks." And it's got a foreword by Jack Canfield, the Chicken Soup for the Soul guy. So that was the first book I wrote. The second book I wrote was the one you just got, that just got、uh, published now on healing prayer. But、um, it was only because COVID made me stay home. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do something with my time, and so I just started to write. And then I started to teach Zoom courses, and I teach four or five or six of those Zoom courses in a week. And what I would do with those Zoom courses was to teach what would become the content of the books that I just showed you. Anyhow, the bottom line is now with this ministry called Spirit Equip, I really believe that my latter years, the years that I'm going to use at the end. Are to go to events and to train people and to give them the tools they need, and to help them learn, and to get attached to teaching them things that I wish somebody had taught me further along the line. Thank you very much. It would have been a whole lot nicer if somebody who knew about prayer for healing had said, "Oh, by the way, David, come with me. <laughs> I'll show you." <laughs> so、um, there's a group called Journeywise,、okay. and they have just. They just asked me if I would prepare a video resource that could be used to teach churches how to develop teams of people to do prayer for healing. So that's going to happen in 2024. I'm going to do that. So my job is to equip people in the realm of spiritual disciplines, and the disciplines that I am skilled on are number one, the Holy Spirit, His presence and His power. I did my master's work in that. Spiritual discernment. I did my doctoral work in that. Prayer for healing because it's been part of my life. Dealing with the powers of darkness because I met Jesus by having an unclean spirit cast out of me, and the Lord's Prayer because it was the passion of my life, and so I have these five areas of discipline that I'm writing and training in, and I'm more than happy to go to churches and and speak and be with you and do events and leave off resources and where you go. Beautiful, beautiful. That's so amazing. Okay, so one more last question, then we call it today. Round it up, okay? All right. Can you talk to us about how the Lord healed you and your wife? Oh, those are two very long stories. <laughs> Maybe we just so, got it shut in. Okay.、Uh, let, let me tell let me tell you about my wife because that one's that's a dramatic story. That's an amazing,、okay. and it's in the healing prayer book, and you can read this one.、Okay. But it's an amazing story. She,、uh, she, her, her.、Uh, She was diagnosed with something called fascio-scapular humular muscular dystrophy. Now, that muscular dystrophy won't kill you when you're 25, like Duchenne's muscular dystrophy does. 
but you will have your muscles atrophy, your shoulder blades will go out of position, your face will sag, your shoulders will get rounded. You start to have chronic pain between 16 and 20, and then it plateaus and declines and plateaus and declines. So by the time you're 30 to 40, you can't go up and down stairs, and you can't lift your arms above your shoulders. And uh, her mother had this affliction, it's in her family line, and so, I mean, it was just, and this was the hard thing when I wanted to marry her. I knew my last days would be pushing a wheelchair. And if you don't face that squarely, you're going to have to face it later. But uh, her mom was, you know, when she went down the aisle, she could barely walk because a much trusted son-in-law helped her down the aisle. But she spent the whole wedding in the wheelchair. You know, so this, this was reality and I knew this. So here's what happened. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that we prayed for her to become well. I can't begin to tell you. I think we prayed, oh, for 15 years, two, three, four times a week, and we'd see marginal improvement, but not 100% improvement. We'd see change, and then she'd lose what she gained. And eventually we just stopped. We stopped praying. Now, the, the strange thing was, she would pray for others and they would get healed. So my wife and I once prayed for a lady with a punctured eye who'd had a tack come into her eye. Her eyeball grew back while my wife and I prayed for that. It was the most amazing kind of thing. Meanwhile, my wife is declining from muscular dystrophy. Now, we moved to Alberta. We went to a church called Spruce Grove Alliance. We were there for 10 years. And we had a house with stairs to get upstairs to the bedroom and bathroom. If she wanted to go up those stairs, she had to literally put her arms under her legs, lift her leg up to the next step, steady herself, get the other leg on the next step, grab the banister and pull herself up and then repeat the procedure until she got to the top of the steps. So we were beginning to look for a one floor house. We had prayed to, to no avail. It was 20 years of this. Anyway, I, I told you about Uganda. So I, we, we went to Uganda, we helped them and to, our church needed to see the guy who developed this. So we flew him into our church and it, we had in those days we had a Saturday night a Sunday at 9.15 and an 11 o'clock Sunday morning service. And each had their own little constituency, but the Saturday nighters, they were the ones who wanted a particular kind of musical style, right? And the 9.15ers, hey, they were classically evangelical conservative, and they wanted to sing, oh, the blood of Jesus, right? And the 11 o'clockers wanted to wave their arms around in charismatic style and do a little dance, right? <laughs> so three very different congregations. Well, this guy came and started telling war stories about how people's lives had been spared in the middle of the Ugandan conflict with Amin and with Kony. And he was telling these amazing stories. People called and said, we got to move. We got to get this story told at uh, night. We're going to come again at 9.15. And they called all their friends. And so we had an oversized crowd on Sunday morning at 9.15 and a very, very large crowd at 11 o'clock. It was just jammed to the rafters. The sanctuary sat about 400 and change, and there were easily 650 people rammed up against the walls and in the back and up and down the aisles and on the steps where the kids would sit for the kids' story. And I had no choice except to sit on the steps next to the pulpit looking out at the church because there wasn't a seat in the house. Now, I, I was looking at my wife because she was set two rows from the front, and the preacher was preaching about this war thing. And here's what he did. He looked at me and he said, David. Now he said it with his Ugandan accent and it was hard to understand him. But he said, David, David, what is M-A? And I thought, M-A. I said, 
master of arts? I don't know. <laughs> and then he said, no, 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 no. Something's wrong. Something's terribly wrong. And he put his head in the pulpit and he, he prayed silently. Of course, the whole church is packed and overpacked. We're all waiting for his next word and it felt like an eternity. And then eventually he lifted his head up and he did this. Elisha, I'll never forget the moment. It was 11.42 a.m. on February the 9th of 2009. He said, it's a wasting muscle disease. Whoever has it, it starts in your head and it goes down into your shoulders and it makes your shoulders round. Your shoulders blades go out of position. You get a crooked spine. You're in, you're in chronic pain from the time you're 16 or 17 and it's plateau decline. He described the medical symptoms of my wife in rigorous, he could have put it in a textbook. I mean, this, this is how rigorous the examination was. And then he said this, whoever has this, Jesus has just healed you. Now my wife had been unable to raise her arms above her head for more than 20 years. And while I was looking at her, listening to this description, her hands went above her head and she wasn't even aware because she just wanted to praise God. Now we had people at home who'd come to visit and the plan was we would go home to get the lunch ready and I would go on the top shelves to get down the pots and pans that we always stored up there. She pushed me out of the way. She stood up on the steps. She got all the heavy pots and pans down and she cooked that meal herself. And one week later, yeah. she got so ticked at our daughter that she ran up the stairs. <laughs> she ran up the stairs chasing my daughter. So I'll just say this to you. Uh, that was, we have a doctor's note for this one. That was genetic transformation. My wife has not got a trace of muscular dystrophy in her body, not a trace of it. And Jesus is the healer. Now there's a 20 year prayer that went unanswered, followed by that moment where somebody from outside came in and said this word. And it, we, we, of course, our church had sacrificed to help Uganda. And he wanted to come back to Canada to say thank you. And that's the reason he came. And in the middle of that, there was that amazing, miraculous healing. And I am forever grateful to Jesus, my Lord. That is such a great story that, David, I tell you, listening to your story, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to heal anyone suffering from any disease. Because this is such an amazing story. You know, there are actually some people you know, still in that situation where they are bathing with one sickness or another. And I know for sure that by just listening to this podcast, because your story is so great. No, this is Jesus in action. I dare you. Yes. That's so beautiful. Thank you so very much, David, for your time and for honoring our invite means a lot so to round up with very shortly what would you say to anyone who is on a sickbed right now and is battling with one sickness or another spending so much money on medication and nothing is happening yet as someone who jesus has once healed what would you like to say to that person let's say you're oh, i would say right? yeah well the principle that my wife and I embraced was to seek the healer, not the healing, and to let the healer do as he will. And I'll say it again, 
seek the healer, not the healing, and let the healer do as he will. And there are reasons why some people experience partial transformation, some people get the whole thing, and some people have an emotional wound that's transformed and changed. What I would say to you is go to school on this. If you're able to read or if you're able to get an audiobook, um, pick up a Bible and read the Gospels over and over and over again. Just get it in your spirit. And as you start to read the Gospels, underline every text that has to do with Jesus' power to heal. And in the middle of that, you can, my, my book is on audio. If you're unable to read, you can listen to it. You can get it on Amazon and audio, Audible Books, Healing Prayer. It's also a trade paperback and it's also an ebook if you have it on your computer. I would encourage you to read the book. It's not hard to read, it's about 200 pages. Every other chapter has a healing prayer story. And every other chapter describes the things that you do to get yourself in a place where you can be the recipient of prayer for healing or be one who engages in it. We teach people how to do it with that resource. But in the, min in the middle of this, I would just say to anybody who's sick or afflicted, the Lord's not done yet. The Lord's not done yet. Get that in, by the way, you, whether you read my book or not, the Bible is the, is, is the source of this. And I would ask him for his presence to become manifest and real. And I would say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rest content in recognizing that this sickness is some affliction sent from God. The Bible doesn't talk that way. Yeah. Sickness is an enemy. Disease is an enemy. The yeah. last enemy that will be destroyed is death itself. So says Paul in First Corinthians. Yeah. And the effect of, of, of sin and suffering and sorrow is death. And God came to wipe that away. So my prayer for anybody who's listening is, uh, is, is don't lose hope because Christ the healer is a healer indeed. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you so very much, David. That was a beautiful. Thank you yep. so very much. Thank you very, very much. And I'm so sure that anyone who's going to be listening to this, the Holy Spirit is going to heal them. I am so confident of that because your story is such as a great tool that the Holy Spirit can use to heal diverse people that are going to be listening to this podcast. So sure. Yeah. Thank you so very much, David, and God bless you. Okay, so God bless you too, Elijah. Yeah, that's going to be the end of today's show. Thank you for honoring our invite. So much. God bless you abundantly, and say me hi to your wife. Thank you. God bless you. Sure. Now, bye -bye. is this recorded? Is this recorded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this part? Can you send it to me? Can I can I get the recording so I can post it on my social media? Okay, sure. I will do that. I will do that. Bye. God bless. Yeah. yeah bye bye. bye. Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.